0: Coming up, this was a great uh, uh, end to the science part. And Charles Fain always reminds me that we have to always first and foremost think about the uh, the, the victim and the victim's family.
1: For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to the Daily Crime.
0: The most um, challenging thing as a scientist, and the reason why people go into science, is because there are mysteries. In
1: 2007. Greg Hampikian, a co-director with the Idaho Innocence Project, picked up a case that dates back to 1982.
2: In the more than 20 years the Idaho Innocence Project director, Greg Hampikian has been part of forensics biology. He's worked on many different cases, but he says there's been nothing quite like the mystery of who killed nine-year-old Darlin Johnson of Nampa. Now, 40
1: years after nine-year-old Darlin Johnson was found dead, the man detectives say is responsible has been formally charged in her murder.
0: We're so sure that if we just kept going with this, the science would open up. And that's what we kept assuring the, the investigators. You've got to be patient.
1: Tristan Lewis has been covering this story for KTVB in Boise, Idaho. Tristan, thanks for joining us once again. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. The last time we had you on was to talk about a case that spanned nearly three decades, the 1994 disappearance of 17-year-old Kristen Ray Dunlap-Bossi. But you've been covering another decades-old case, this time one that takes us back all the way to 1982. Tell us a little bit about 9-year-old Darlin Johnson.
2: So Darlin Johnson um, was just walking to school uh, back in 1982 uh, to her school in Lincoln Elementary when she all of a sudden vanished. Um, there was a lot of searches going on for about three days, and that's when uh, a couple fishermen found her body next to the Sneak River.
1: It, it sounds like from the moment Darlene's body was discovered, it was clear that this wasn't an accident. This was a homicide case. There was evidence that she'd been sexually assaulted. There was evidence that she'd been killed what does the investigation look like from there after this discovery is made?
2: So uh, that same year, investigators uh, eventually zeroed in on a man named Charles Fain. As the primary suspect in Darlin's murder, uh, Fain owned a vehicle that was matching the description of the suspicious vehicle um, that other kids had actually seen reported near where Darlin went disappearing, which was near the Snake River and her school. Um, Fain was ultimately convicted of her murder and sentenced to death, and he spent 18 years on Idaho's death row before DNA evidence actually proved that it could he could have not been the girl's killer.
1: So the investigators got this wrong. Charles Fain, the man initially convicted here, was innocent. Can you expand on that a little bit? And what happens to the case once it becomes clear that Darlin Johnson's killer is still out there?
2: Yeah, so like I said, he was sentenced to death row, but he was exonerated and released in 2001 after DNA evidence actually from the scene. the hair There was hair at the scene. I was tested, and it just kind of excluded him as the killer. Um, so that was back in 2001. So after he was exonerated and released from prison, he actually went on to advocate for other people, especially in the state who were wrongly convicted of crimes that they didn't commit. Um it took about 20 years of testing the pubic hairs that was found on Darlin to find a confirmed DNA match that court documents will actually show. Um it was in December of 2001, pubic hairs were collected and shipped from the Canyon County Sheriff's Crime Lab to Bodie Labs in a place in Virginia. Um The lab was then able to build a mitochondria profile from the DNA. And just over the years, uh, they were kind of challenging just a few suspects. But still, um, back in 2001 through, I want to say, up until uh, late into the 2010s, uh, there was still no DNA um, match that showed who could have been Darlin's killer.
1: How does a man named
2: David Dalrymple end up becoming a suspect? Once Charles Fane was actually released from prison, uh, a new group uh, around the state, the Gem State, called the Idaho Innocence Project, started working with Fane in 2007 to just help him get uh, compensation for his wrongful conviction. Um, And they were so invested in uh, this case uh, after they finally got some compensation on Fane's end. They wanted to help solve it. And that's where Greg Hampikian comes into play. He's the
0: co-director for the Idaho Innocence Project. In starting that, though, we found out that the case had never been solved, that there was DNA from a pubic hair that was left on the poor young victim in this case. He tells
2: me that they were really limited on information at the time, just with technology, uh, because the hair that was there It was without its root, so it makes it really hard for them to compare where this DNA came from, and all they could really do was just compare those suspect samples. We
0: were stuck. All we could do was compare whatever samples uh, the police would bring us as possible suspects.
2: But it was actually... Back in 2016, 2017, Hampikian started collaborating with a uh, colleague of his from the University of California, uh, Santa Cruz, called, his name is Ed Green. Um, they actually discussed cases like this while they were working on something. And uh, Hampikian said that he found out a new technique used on ancient DNA to find out the new data. You
0: take the DNA from the pubic hair left on the child. You treat it like an ancient DNA, um, uh, and you uh, get enough information, kind of DNA that 23andMe use for their data. And you go to public databases or other databases, and you try to find a last name or a lineage of the person who left the pubic hair.
2: It's basically you just take the DNA that's left of the hair, and you kind of treat it like ancient DNA, and you get an information. What he says is a single nucleotide polymorphism, which is kind of like what 23 are be used for their data, um, and then you just go to public databases to try to find the last name or lineage of the person who left the pubic hair, and that's eventually what led Cannon County Sheriff's Office to link to Dalrymple to the crime in 2020.
1: Nearly 40 years after a nine-year-old girl from Nampa was found dead, the Canyon County prosecutor has formally charged the man detectives say is responsible. 64-year-old David Dalrymple is charged with first-degree murder and rape in the death of Daryl Johnson. DNA evidence linked Dalrymple to the murder in 2020. Now, almost two years later,
2: he's officially been charged.
1: Who is David Dalrymple? What else can you tell us about his background?
2: So by the time that uh Canyon County Sheriff's Office charged uh David Dalrymple uh, with this crime and uh were able to get DNA uh match to the, the hairs that were left on Darlin, um he was early already serving twenty years to life in prison uh for lewd conduct with a minor under sixteen. He was also convicted of kidnapping, sexual abuse of a minor, and second degree kidnapping.
1: These other convictions, these are cases that happened after Darlin Johnson was killed. I know the life sentence for kidnapping and sexual abuse of a child was from 2004. And that makes me think of the early days of the investigation where investigators were chasing someone who ended up being innocent. And also of the time Charles Fain spent behind bars where this case wasn't being investigated, it was considered solved. If Dalrymple is, in fact, the killer, the question on my mind is, If this investigation hadn't locked in on the wrong guy, could Dalrymple have been found sooner? Could these other crimes, including the sexual abuse of another child, could they have been prevented? As you mentioned, Dalrymple is already serving a life term. What's the potential sentence here if he's convicted in Darlin Johnson's case?
2: So yeah, he was, um, uh, Canyon County Sheriff's Office actually um, suspected that uh, Dalrymple was... um, the one behind the murder of Darlin back in 2020 uh, but just because of things that have gone on since 2020 they didn't actually they weren't actually able to press formal charges until this year so he is now facing a first degree murder and rape of the death of Darlin and if he is convicted he could face the death penalty or another life sentence to the charges that he's facing
1: and this is a case that over the years, so many lives have been affected by it. the family of Darlin Johnson not only lost their daughter, but then for 40 years, there was there was no justice. There were no answers as to who killed her. An innocent man went to prison for 18 years and was on death row. And, you know, if this is the end of the road for this case, it still doesn't undo any of that. It's just it's heartbreaking on on so many levels.
2: Exactly. Um Greg Hampikian, uh the co-director of the Idaho Innocence Project says he's still uh in contact with Charles Fain, the man who was originally convicted. Um and it's such a hard case like this. I mean, like you said, it doesn't undo any of the injustice that went on with Darlin, but this is able to provide maybe some closure. Um Hampikian says Charles Fain... Always talks about Darlene's family. Doesn't to ever really talk about what happened to him. And he's always keeps reminding others that they have to first and foremost always think about the victim and the victim's family.
0: This was a great. Uh, uh, End to the science part. And Charles Fain always reminds me that we have to always first and foremost think about the the victim and the victim's family. Tristan
1: Lewis with KTVB.
0: Thanks for sharing the story. Thank you for having me.
1: And thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're here every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed to or following the podcast wherever it is you're listening right now. If you're looking for something else to listen to, check out Vault Studios' newest podcast, Killer Cases, with new episodes coming every week. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.